Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Kyle Kira. Marler, it looks like you had an eventful weekend. I did. I had an awesome weekend, man. You went back I don't know. to South Carolina. I went back to South Carolina. I was instantly bad luck for the basketball team because they yep. lost to Vanderbilt somehow. Yep. Um, I did something new, and I don't know. Uh, I, I just I, I did a little family first weekend, which is fun. We went to um, Columbia and got wedding rings, and um, and then we came back Sunday uh, into Atlanta, and we we had our menu tasting for the wedding, which was pretty awesome. Got some chicken and waffles. Got me excited uh, about that. Which was great. Yeah, you should be because they were phenomenal. Um, but yeah, so we had we had a fun weekend. We got our wedding rings. We went to Columbia. Um, went home with the parents. I tell you what, I did make one mistake, and I was pissed about this because um, I was like telling Allie, I was like, you know what? We'll just offer to pay for dinner. It's one of my favorite things to do as an adult. Offer to pay pay for dinner. Parents are never gonna say yes. You know what I mean? They just True. they're just gonna be like, oh yeah, it's, we got it. So I like half ass like offered to pay for this like hundred something dollar dinner. <laughs> I was like, oh, we got it. And then I just looked across the table. I didn't see. Uh, my mom or stepdad reached for the wallet, and I was like, "Damn it, <laughs> that's my bad." So um, that was like the only negative thing. It wasn't even negative because I got to buy my parents dinner, so it was it was a blast, man. I was Patty really Sue good. deserves all the dinners, by the way. She's she the best, man. She She's absolutely the best. Uh, weekend was good. Weekend was really good. Got to uh, watch a lot of basketball on Saturday. Um, that that took up the majority of my day, and then Sunday was catching up on on stuff as usual. I feel like when you're an adult. And maybe this is when you get out of the bachelor slash bachelorette phase of your life. Yeah. But Sundays when you are an adult are the ultimate catch-up day. Where it's like, yeah, there's Sunday fun day that you have to actually, like, you call it Sunday fun day. Like, when you actually are doing fun stuff on you're, Sunday. You're wrong. Yeah. I, I, we always make that, like, okay, we have probably five things that we do regularly on a Sunday that are adult things, right? Like yeah. the stuff that we need to take care of because we we do meal prep. I mean, you know, we're cleaning we're cleaning our place and doing all that stuff and you know, church on Sunday morning. Like it's just there's the list of things that you do on a given Sunday makes it so that you really don't have a whole lot of built-in time to be able to do anything else. But the one thing I did, I booked my flight for your wedding. So, boom. We're good. We're good. I I think so. Your your take on Sunday fun day is different than my. Like when you say you're getting caught up on stuff, my my Sundays used to be getting caught up on um, like my hangover cures, which I don't do mm-hmm. that anymore. Which is fun. I mean, like I do right sometimes. adulting though. Adult Sundays. Yeah. yeah, and so I think usually what we do now, like Allie, I like Sundays because Allie will let me sleep in, and also it's the office is on until like two thirty in the afternoon on, on Comedy sure. Central. So. Um, you know, it's usually like like we what we do on Sunday nights is my favorite. Every week we we do like a dinner. We usually like a pho, uh, we'll order and get pho, and we'll watch like a movie or like a Netflix thing. And we'll just like spend time together. Um, but yesterday is like my favorite Sunday of the year because and this used to always be like this when I was in a bar too. It's it's the first day of the year where you get like an extra two hours of sunlight. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was a daylight savings. So we we had we spent like a hundred dollars on barbecue last night and watched Air Force One and it was amazing. Nice little night. Uh, We have a lot to get to this episode. We are going to preview everything 
SEC tournament. We're going to run through a lot of stuff. It's a primer episode, so to speak. We're going to get get to our predictions as well. We are going to be talking to our good buddy Candler Cook also. That's going to happen in a little bit. He's going to give us kind of the, the state of Georgia fans and how they're currently feeling going into this interesting offseason ahead in Athens. We're going to also talk a little bit about some predictions that are coming out about Florida winning potentially the SEC. Urban Meyer had some interesting things to say over the weekend. We're going to weigh in on some of that narrative that has already begun. And fittingly, as I'm talking, Dan Mullen is addressing the media for the first time to preview spring football and has said that every position is going to be open, including quarterback, which I... I I go go take that for what it is, but we're sure, going to sure, get to all that stuff. We're going to get to all that stuff. Before we do all of that, tell us about our new good friends at BetOnline. Guys, go to BetOnline.ag today. I've been saying this for a while. Um, go to BetOnline.ag. It's our new friends, like Connor said. Uh, if you love gambling, if you love this, this is like... I can't, I can't romanticize this enough, and I don't care if it sounds embellished or over the top because it's not for me. It's very real. This is a, I have an absolute love for this time of season because you have baseball starting. You have SEC spring football starting. It's a great time of year. That's not, those aren't things that you can necessarily gamble on right now. You could definitely gamble on, on spring training baseball, but as, just take my own advice from a real-life experience. Don't do it. It's not worth it. However, what you should be gambling on, March Madness starts this week, and then we have the Masters next month. Best time of year. March Madness, again, There's we've already had a, a, several teams punch their ticket to the big dance. Uh, we've got teams in the SEC obviously playing starting on Wednesday uh, for the SEC basketball tournament over in Nashville. Coronavirus be damned, okay? The coronavirus can affect a lot of things. It can affect your gambling notebook. As long as you are gambling online, you don't need to go to Vegas. Guys, you don't need to go do this in person. Do it online. It's the safest way to win money and not get coronavirus. BetOnline.ag. You can live bet games. You can bet the first half of games. You can bet... I tell you what, you would have bet uh, on the money line last week of Vanderbilt beating uh, South Carolina, Vanderbilt beating Alabama, um, hell, even Missouri beating Alabama. You would have won a lot of money. So go to betonline.ag today, set up an account, start building that bankroll for March Madness. Um, you know, fight coronavirus and and being poor at the same time. There you go. This is not going to be a coronavirus podcast, I promise. I know there are people <laughs> that are listening to this, hoping to escape all the talk about coronavirus, but we do have to at least address the impact that it's going to have on the week. I'm planning a wedding, bro. It, it is a big deal. Yeah. We have people coming from California and Oregon. It is This is a real thing. This is a real thing, and there are a lot of people that I, I think right now are, are treating this like, okay, you know, they're comparing it to the flu and all that, but in sports, we are seeing a legitimate impact. There's big tennis tournaments being canceled. There's soccer games that are being played in empty stadiums. There's concern from the NCAA that the Final Four is going to be played in, a, in an empty stadium. And right now, as a two o'clock on Monday afternoon. There are no immediate plans to change anything with the SEC tournament in its current construction. They're not gonna change the time of the games or anything like that. Will we see a full crowd in Nashville following the announcement that the first case of coronavirus has been um, diagnosed in Tennessee? I'd be surprised if we saw a full crowd. We're not gonna see an empty stadium. That's just, that's not gonna happen at this point. I'd be surprised if that happened, but it seems in a, travel no matter what. Yeah, there are, there are certain there are certain teams and fan bases that are going to travel no matter what. And the good news about this game being played, this tournament rather being played in Nashville, is the fact that basically like eleven of the fourteen SEC teams are within driving distance. Flying is obviously the big thing that that has been holding people back with with all of this this fear of what's been going on, and so. 
with the exception of Florida, LSU, and A&M, everybody can pretty much make the drive to Nashville if they choose to do so. But I, I think that it's it's reasonable to expect that attendance is still going to be down this week. It's inevitable. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be the bad guy, and I'll say it. Starts the top, taking this thing seriously. And if we have if we have an understanding of why this should not be like just dismissed and and kind of brushed aside from the top, I think then it would have been taken more seriously. But somehow this has been politicized, and I don't know how, and it, it has for whatever reason. I, I still think in the it South, has been on both sides, which is which it, sucks. Oh, without a doubt, it's annoying. With, yeah, I'm not I'm not attacking one person by any means, but it has been politicized by on both sides, and it's like this is a serious thing, guys. Like this is like you know, like my mom just got back from Hawaii. And, and they're talking about going out to St. Louis like the next day. And I was like, do you understand? Because they have to go something for my sister. And I was like, do you understand that this is like people over the age of, of 55? Like this is affecting them like very negatively. This is a very serious thing to take serious. I, so I, I think you're going to ha- – it's not going to be sold out by any means. Um, I think part of the reason that is also not going to happen is because it's not as wide open as it was in the past years. Like BBN is traveling. Kentucky, Nashville will be painted blue. Uh, like like any place that holds the SEC basketball tournament, because Kentucky travel, Kentucky fans travel better than any other maybe fan base in the country. It's awesome to see. Um, so I think I think they will definitely be taking over Nashville um, this upcoming week. But I, I do think what you said is a really good point. Like it is in driving distance of so eleven or fourteen schools. Um, I, I think the biggest reason we're not going to see the like the, like I said the sold out sold out games. I mean even Tennessee's down. Tennessee being a nine seed, yeah. being four hours away on the other side of the state, hey, you're not going to really see that. Is it four hours or is it? It's not four hours. Either way, you're just not going to see as much of uh, other fan bases travel. Um, you'll probably have seven Bama fans go there, maybe like eleven Georgia <laughs> fans. <laughs> you'll have like you know what I mean, just because because they don't really have as much of a uh, a chance. But I tell you what, man, it would it's going to be a fun. It's not often you have the a team like Kentucky that is like the overwhelming favorite, and you also have a guy that could be the number one pick in the NBA draft from Anthony Edwards, and there's not any kind of hoopla surrounding like the tournament, you know. It's it's going to be an interesting week in Nashville for a variety of reasons, and you know everybody's going to be. This is going to be the coronavirus stuff is going to be the underlying storyline of all of this, and people are going to you know make comments and, and kind of break down stuff, and it's just going to feel weird across all yeah. college basketball at this time of year when we're used to just getting so excited and it's just nonstop action. Um, by the way, real quick before we move on to actual basketball matters. The, the map that uh, Joel Coleman tweeted out of the coronavirus yeah. cases, basically the SEC West minus Texas so far was immune to coronavirus. And, uh, Braden, coronavirus ain't playing nobody, Paul. <laughs> Braden Fajoko, the, uh, the LSU defensive tackle, former LSU defensive tackle, had the tweet that said, uh, coronavirus would fold due to an SEC West schedule. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's... <laughs> the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. The numbers do not lie. Yeah. Um, there are so many questions I have this week. Just a ton of questions from yeah. the to- from the top down, really. And one of them, I think we have to start with Kentucky, the the fan base that, in my opinion, is going to travel the best, the number one seed, the the team that obviously won four straight uh, up until last year when Auburn ultimately won the the conference championship. The Ashton Hagen stuff that's been going down is just weird. It's weird. The timing of it, the the details surrounding it, just. Murky. So for those of you who, who don't know or who are trying to get caught up to speed, Kentucky fans obviously know this by now, but Ashton Hagens, the star point guard for Kentucky, who is just an all-world defender, was uh, he was involved in a coaching staff riff a little bit with uh, 
you know, apparently he didn't want to go back into the game against Tennessee when they were, they were losing in that game and they ultimately, they ultimately lost that game. There was a little bit of a beef about him not wanting to, you know, not play point guard or whatever it was. So he benched himself for the game over the weekend against Florida. He watched that game from home. Cal said afterwards that, that Hagen's told him that he was, um, you know, in a bad way and that it was for personal reasons that he stayed home. But everybody saw the video after of him celebrating <laughs> and going crazy. What a 2020 storyline this is uh, feeding into on. this tournament. That's not the story. That's not the video I thought you were talking about. I thought it was going to be... An, there's another one that, that surfaced as well that Louisville fans know <laughs> very, very well about uh, <laughs> Ashton Hagen's, let's just say, not looking poor. We can say that. We can he say has... That. A just a fanned out. I'm assuming they're all hundreds. Um, I, I'm assuming because just because the, the the coloration of the bills themselves. ones aren't that crisp. Ones aren't that crisp, and I tell you what, there's a little. It seems to be a little bit of blue inked in there, which you don't find much unless it's on fifties or hundreds. I, I so this this uh, he's got a lot of money, and the caption said, "Make sure you keep a little something in your shoebox. Nobody can touch." Are we sure? Triple X. Are we sure it's not Odell Beckham's fake money? Have we, you know, uh, are we entirely I mean, sure? You know what? Hot take. He spelled shoebox with triple X. Maybe he's stripping. I don't know. That's um, You never know. I'm, that's that's a super hot take. You you can you know. I don't I don't know how how real that could be. Um, I just I whatever. It, this is this was so dumb. He's maybe it's like a mental health thing. Maybe he just had like it's 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 getting to be the end of the season. That's a long season, man. It's interesting because Kentucky. If Kentucky loses that game over the weekend against Florida. And Ashton Higgins is still a big question mark moving forward. We have even more questions about Kentucky. But Kentucky, with some great play down the stretch from Nick Richards, comes back and wins at Florida after being down 18 in that game. I turned that game off. I turned that game off. We flipped on Love is Blind when there was like six minutes left in that game. I said, oh, this game's over. No big deal. And then I checked it with a minute left. I'm like, holy crap, Kentucky's going to win this game. I bet Kentucky money line, even though they were a a two-and-a-half-point underdog to start the game. And wow. uh, I was very pleased because that was uh, that was not looking great. Wish I would have yeah. bet it. Yeah, so Kentucky has this this great win to end the season after just kind of a, a funky time a little bit after they had won the conference championship in the regular season. So now moving forward, we're left to wonder, well, what what is going to come of this? Because he he is needed for Kentucky to make a run. I think that's true yeah. regardless of the fact that they came back and played really really well down the stretch against Florida and if they're going to, you know, make a final four run and and have this year that Kentucky fans have been hoping for throughout February when they've been trending upward, then I think Hagen's has to be a big part of that. There's just no guarantee that he's going to be back and in the right state of mind. Yeah, and it's weird too cuz you have for the first time in a while you have a Kentucky team that's not just uh you know, laden with with young freshman players. I mean, you, yeah, you've, got, you've got a Kentucky team that has like a lot, a little bit more. I would say a lot more experience in comparison to the years they usually have. And I, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit. I'd be concerned. I'm not concerned about the video because I don't think that's that big of a deal. I think in this day and age, you just have. If, if this was the first time I had seen a college athlete flash several thousand dollars, then I'd be concerned. It's I mean, they got Will Wade on record saying that he was, you know. Like they got all that. Like if I'm they didn't make anything that of that, you're saying it, not me. <laughs> I'm just it saying wouldn't be received as well if I said facts like that out loud. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. Like that's just that's just bottom line. Um, I, I, I just I don't think that part is is anything to super be concerned with. What I would be concerned with if you're a Kentucky fan is yeah, wanting to go into like this is we've talked about this like the past several years in a row. It's like where they start hitting stride late, and I know they had the loss last week at home. Not not a great look, but. 
when you had when you're going into this part of the year, it seems like one thing we can always bank on is Kentucky seems to hit stride right at this time of the year. Like they they win a lot of games late. They, I mean, how many how many SEC championship games or how many SEC regular season uh, championships have they won? More in like the last like five years or a decade. It's just crazy. More that's on one hand. That's that's what right. I mean. Exactly, and so it's just it's. It, I would be concerned with that standpoint because you you want to have as much continuity with your team and and like you know how well they're playing together as much as possible. But I will say, without them, I don't think they can make a deep run. Sure, but without them, them winning in Gainesville, that was huge. That was huge. very big, very very big. That also kept Florida from Florida had an eighteen point lead. They would have been a four seed if they won that game. Florida would have been a four seed, would have had the double bye had they won that game, but ultimately that went to Mississippi State, who, ironically enough, Mississippi State, according to the projections from Joe Lenardi, is one of the next four out, which would tend to lead you to think that they need to win a couple of games. Yeah. But the issue is that, well, okay, they're now yeah. with this double bye, and they actually probably wish that they were in Florida's spot to be able to win multiple games, and instead they would have to, you know, to win two games, they would have to beat Kentucky in the semifinals. So, speaking of Florida, Mike White coaching for his job is a storyline that we've talked about a little bit. That was one of the things that I thought I knew about SEC basketball a few weeks ago. And, you know, after you blow an 18-point lead at Kentucky, these things tend to come up again. There's already petition going on change.org, of course, to get him fired. Uh, Jeff Goodman came out and called Florida the most disappointing team in college basketball. Magnified in, in the loss was the loss of Kerry Blackshear, who, you know, goes down with this wrist injury and is now considered questionable. I'd be surprised if he was out. If he's out, Florida fans are just going to be like, oh, my gosh, are we are we going to win a game this year? Yeah, because that that's kind of how it has felt. The margin for error has just not been there. Florida, though, sitting there with that nine seed in Joe Lenardi's projections, safe for an NCAA tournament bid, all of that stuff. But... If you lose that first game, can we just imagine the pressure that comes with 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 Mike White going into the NCAA tournament where, you know, he knows Scott Strickland was not the guy who hired him. And I know Scott Strickland gave him the extension after or I guess it was before the 2018-2019 season and he's under contract through 2024-25, but when the AD who didn't hire you is gone or who hired you is gone, you sort of have reasonable questions to, to answer, and Florida has been disappointing. There's no debate about that. Florida was the number six team number in six. the country in the preseason polls, and almost from jump, they've been disappointing. Um, you know, to be to be number six going into the year and to close 19 and 12, to, to be number six and not win 20 games in your regular season, in a year where the SEC has been very, very pedestrian and mediocre mm-hmm. it's inexcusable and I, I don't really know how else to put it like I, I don't know if he's coaching for his job because I think he's a good coach I think I think he's a good coach but what he's done this year has been like you had going into last year you had a lot more built-in excuses and, and reasons why I was like oh you know just wait till next year and then and then you go get Kerry Blackshear he did nothing to help his case he did a lot to hurt his case and and went out like almost went out of his way <laughs> to like like you know what just don't add Kerry Blackshear. How about that? Like, and, and then and then win 19 games, it doesn't look as bad. You add a guy that was preseason player of the year in the conference, yeah. and, and it, it goes this 
averagely, I guess. If that, it just, I don't know how else to put it. it. It was not a good season. Add a couple of five-star kids as well in your in your freshman class, and it still just has not been Dude. the year that everybody thought well, it was going to be for Florida. And you think about think about this: like if, if they don't have that come from behind, I think they were down like sixteen or eighteen to Bama at home mm-hmm. early in the season. If they were they were losing to Georgia early on at home as well uh, early on in the season, and and credit to them for coming back and winning those games. But you're talking about. Very easily, they could have been seventeen and fourteen in very middle of the road. I, I'm I'm surprised that their that their spot in the NCAA tournament is as much of a lock right? as, as people have given it. Yeah, it's very it's kind of confusing to me. Without that twentieth win, which it's not just the total number of no. wins, there's quad one wins and stuff like that that impact quad it. one net <laughs> RPI FPI is Gosh, whatever. Man. There are more abbreviations in college basketball now than ever. It's it's insane. Uh, just trying to read up on some of that stuff. It's like, holy cow, it's just, yeah. uh, it is no longer just RPI, that's for sure. Uh, we've got, yeah, you that. can beat the same team, but it depends on where you beat them, and that also could move 45 spots from th- uh, whatever. Yeah, quad one wins are kind of always changing. Like, yeah. Gosh, <laughs> well, they, there stuff. was, who was it this past week? Somebody this past week won a big quad one game. It might have been against LSU. I can't remember who it was exactly. Maybe it was Arkansas, but they won. And whoever they beat, it was, it was Arkansas. They beat LSU at home, um, but LSU's uh, ranking at the time was 31. So it didn't count as a quad one win. And it's it was bizarre. like, because <laughs> you have to win top, it has to be one through 30 at home for it to be right. a quad one win. That's crazy. Um, but yes, the, the Mike White storyline, going to be, I think, on the minds of many Florida fans uh, the next couple of weeks. Might be the only lame duck coach, though, in the SEC. I mean, is he, I mean, is there any other coach in the SEC that is going to get fired this offseason? Probably not. I don't not. think Tom Crean's going to get fired. Kwanzaa Martin, you got to take a look at him. I don't even know how long he's been he's in He's been there three year. years. Yeah, Crean's not getting fired after two years at Georgia, despite the Anthony Edwards like kind of missing that window, that opportunity. I, I, he's not getting fired after after two years there. I don't think that's going to happen. He went in with low expectations, and I've I've said my piece on low. I've said my piece on Crean before. Like, as I, I I know Crean well. I covered that guy. Like I was there his first day at Indiana. All that stuff. Like Crean's going to get more of a chance there. I'd be surprised if he was even on the hot seat in year three. And I understand Georgia fans are disappointed. He's but on the hot seat now. He's not getting fired after year two. There's... I'm telling you, as somebody that lives in in the state of Georgia and listens to this almost every day on 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 sports talk radio, he is on the hot seat now, and he is he needs to he doesn't need to win the tournament. This season's a wash, like this season's done. But yeah. what he was not able to do this year with a with a lottery pick is really really a bad look for him. What's the do you want do we want to do a wager? He'll on... be gone by next year. 20, next, 20 bucks. Okay, so by next year, meaning he won't yeah. have a year four. Mm-mm. Okay, so twenty dollars. No bet. way. Twenty dollars bet. Do we want to do a beard bet on this? Absolutely not. Why not? I okay, I am the only one that is willing to go out there and put my beard on the yeah, line for the sake you of just, this. You just podcast. learned basketball like the past two weeks. Whoa, 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 whoa! That is all right. That now. is not true. I have learned more about basketball. I have known That's, about Tom. That is true. I've known about Tom Crean for the past 14, 15 years. Wait, if you don't, if you don't know that Tom, that, and that's all well and good, but if you don't know that Tom Crean's on the hot seat, I'm telling you, somebody that lives in this state and hears it every day. But to say that he's on the hot seat means that he's he's going to be gone this year. Like he could. Theoretically, go into next the- year. Will Muschamp's been on Mus Malzahn's been on the hot seat for since 1988, and he was born on the hot seat. I'm pretty sure it was, it was an old Gladys Knight song. Was it really? No. <laughs> no, this is something that you could that you could actually make up, and I, I would have no idea. We should do a game of like of like 
fake southern sayings and see how many we could pass as right. That'd be that'd be fun. And I would be the test. Like I the think. Michael, the Michael. Yeah, well, you you do the test thing, like the Michael Scott thing. Is like, it is hotter than a cricket on a crawdad, or what the hell he said. Dinkins like a. Yeah. <laughs> um, the SEC tournament has no shortage of teams on the bubble. Um, a handful who I, I think directly on the bubble is Mississippi State because of what we've seen from projections like Joe Lenardi's where, as we said, next four mm. outs, ten, I, I tend to think that that really does not bode well. And you got to really impress because all of these, you know, the, when the mid-major teams that have automatic bids locked up, if they, you know, teams like Gonzaga well, to win the conference are, tournament, that yep. stuff, that makes an impact. Gonzaga, that. that conference isn't even that bad, all things considered. Did Win? Did you know, I don't know if you know. Winthrop Did Winthrop, they won? Okay. They won. I do know <sighs> that, I there we go. I tried to live bet that when they were down 22-7, and, and Vegas already was one step ahead of me, and they were like, all right, well, they win by by more than three and a half. And I was like, what the hell was the original line if they're down by 15 and you're still telling me I, I, I'm, like, not getting points? Anyway, um, but the, the, the people, the, the teams that are going to steal bids, and I don't think it's going to happen in the, uh, in the whatever, Mountain West or Western Commerce, whatever the one Gonzaga's in, I, I can't remember right now. But that that's actually a pretty, like, BYU's definitely getting in. Um, Gonzaga obviously is getting in, but maybe a one seed probably should be a one seed. But I, I think that it's a little bit different in terms of the fact that, like, in the past you'd see a Dayton be, like, an 11 seed, right, and and maybe steal a bid somehow. Those teams could be one seeds this year. I, I, I just wonder how how much the, the committee is going to overcompensate for, like, conferences like the Big 12, the, the Pac-12, and the Big 10, um, and, and those teams that don't win – their conference tournament because those are those are probably the best three. I mean, the ACC is good. Is it is it as good as only projected to have five teams in the field this year? Right, which down year so for the, the ACC. Yeah, yeah. I it's, I wonder, but when you look at that that conference pecking order, it is it's the inverse of football. The SEC is at the very bottom uh, it, when it comes to like which teams I think are going to get the most teams in from the like, Power Five conferences. Yeah, that is that is reality right now. Mississippi State is one of those teams that wants to see a bunch of chalk over the weekend because. They, they they probably like even if they beat Florida they, they probably still need to win against Kentucky to get in that that would be that would be the way to to make sure that there's no questions but would definitely need I mean, to beat Florida to to make it. This is an incredible way you put that. I really like that. That might be my favorite thing you ever said on the podcast. They want to see a lot of shock this weekend. It was just so. I've said that before. Smooth and subtle. I know you have. I'm saying that in this. I got I got goosebumps right now. Right. It's, it's, it's talking gamble. Give me right more now. goosebumps. I, I, Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a team that you're right. They are in the next four out. Um, I, I want to like before looking at the actual bracket for the SEC because there's gonna be a lot that has to do with where each team is lined up. For instance, Bama got. I'm not just saying this because growing up a Bama fan, they got a pretty tough draw this week when they they all they had to do was win their last four games. So they had teams like Mizzou, A and M, and Vandy on the schedule. They lost three of four to those aforementioned teams, which is mind blowing. Um, they somehow didn't. They lost. They lost by 19 to Mizzou. They didn't slip to 10 in the rankings because Arkansas lost at AM. right? So when you look at this, like I, I want to, without looking at the bracket, think like Mississippi State's a team I think could win the SEC basketball tournament this year. I think they're good enough. I think they're dangerous enough to make a run in the tournament. That top half of the bracket, I think I think those are the, the best two teams right now. I think those are the best two teams in the conference, Mississippi State and Kentucky. They're playing the best basketball. I, I don't think Auburn and LSU away from home are very good basketball teams. Agreed, and I'll get to more of and, that later. 
Yeah, but the bottom half of the bracket is like anybody could win that. It's it's a it's a that's a very good draw if you're in the bottom half. South Carolina sitting there at the number six seed. Beat Vanny, South Carolina. Beat Vanny. That's all you have to do, probably to at least give yourself a, a favorable Unreal. chance this weekend. And instead, that didn't happen. And now South Carolina's NCAA tournament hopes are hanging by a thread. They need to win at least two games to, to make it to the semifinals. And you know when I bragged on them on the road, that they, they were the only other team in the SEC that had a, a winning road record. They were mm-hmm. six and three. They finished six and six. And this is coming from you, who is currently wearing a South Carolina hat right now. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And a are. Dr Pepper shirt, roll tide. You are I'm a big confused. South Carolina fan. That, is that a Dr Pepper um, chest pass shirt? Chest pass. What does that mean? The chest pass. Oh. That's just the championship. <laughs> I've been practicing in the backyard. Something about spring that gets me in the sports mood. <laughs> uh, but South Carolina right now. I mean, you're just kicking yourself if you, if you're a Gamecock fan. Uh, shout out to Chris Phillips, who man. Uh, it's rough right now. It is rough for him. Yeah. I, I, I watched some of those videos, and I'm just like, man, that's that's just a kick to the nuts when you when you absolutely. Dude, we were we were in we were in Columbia in downtown Columbia, getting that like going ring shopping, um, and it was just it's one of those things like it's like just I I thought they would beat Bama. I, I thought they would beat Bama on the road because when, when Petty was out and they didn't they didn't they couldn't do it then. And I tell you what, man, it's just surprising to me that they weren't able like with the Frank Martin team especially. I'm surprised they weren't better on the road. Yeah, but to close out the year, Arkansas. The 11th seed, the double, the, what do you want to call it? The double playing game? The um, I, I don't even know what we call that first round. Have we come up with a proper name for that with now? Arkansas is 19 and 12. 19 and 12. Same as Florida. But struggled, obviously, in SEC play. Probably needs to win three games in order to, to make it to the NCAA tournament. Maybe, maybe not even that. I was just on Arkansas radio on Hit That Line and talking about, you know, they've pretty much said, yeah, they're going to need to go all the way at this point to, to make it into the field. And whether or not that's true, uh, it, it seems very unlikely, given what we've seen from Arkansas, that they are capable of that type of run. We, You just do not see teams that, that are sitting there with – you know, five games potentially to play, um, make a run like that. I, it's impossible to do five games in five days to win. It's just Georgia, you get 2008. You Joe back. You get, yeah, that 2008. Well, yeah, well hey, and a repeat of 2008, this could be, you know, if, when they're playing through the tornado stuff at the Georgia Dome and, and Georgia wins that improbable SEC Coronado. We don't Coronado virus. Too soon. Hey, maybe Arkansas <laughs> is is all of a sudden that team. I, I don't know, but it seems pretty unlikely. If there's any if there's any team in that four, group of four that could do it, it's Arkansas. Mason I Jones. Just, it blows my mind. Fire. Yeah. Mason Jones. He's I mean not catching fire. He's been on fire for most yeah. of the season. Like I mean, he's he's been incredible. I think in conference player in his last ten games, he's averaged twenty seven points a game or something like that. It's it's nuts. Yeah, the eleven through fourteen in, in the SEC. I know. I feel like you. We try and say this in a given year, but. I feel like it actually is a lot more interesting than usual just because of the aforementioned Mason Jones. You've got Anthony Edwards in that game and 14 seed Vandy that is on fire right now. I mean, goodness, two in a row. Arkansas is good enough to get to the semifinals, and they have the best draw to get to the semifinals out of any other team. Better draw than Tennessee, which is sitting there at the 8 seed. They've got the 8-9 matchup with Bama. Had a chance to close the regular season with wins against Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn. And then they went out and got waxed by Auburn, and Samir Doughty, I think, just scored another bucket. Um, Bruce Pearl said he's rooting for the Vols. Good for him. Uh, I don't know why that's still what? a thing. <laughs> what? What? It's what? so weird, right? Like, why? If you're if you're Bruce Pearl, I think you should just kind of take a backseat on all matters 
like All Tennessee matters. allegiance at this point. Um, yeah. But that would Tennessee. I don't think right now is is sitting on the proverbial bubble. They would have to beat Bama, Kentucky at least, and that's probably still not even enough because they only have three quad one wins. There's a quad one reference for you. Um, SEC basketball is just. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Just a team that was probably preseason had lofty expectations and then ends the year as a one seed in the NIT. Just a tradition unlike any other. Yeah, that is. That is kind of the, the story for Tennessee. Um, at the same time, though, I am not necessarily selling my SEC hoop stock. We talked last year a lot about how we felt that the future of SEC basketball was bright. And a lot of that had to do with the coaches that were put in place and you know stuff that happened in the offseason, I think, only helped that. Rick Barnes turning down UCLA. Buzz Williams coming to A&M. I think the job that Eric Musselman has done at Arkansas at least bodes well for the future, despite the struggles that they've had in SEC play. Sitting there with the number seven recruiting class in the country right now, too, which has Arkansas fans very, very excited. I think the coaching is at an elite level. And I think that right now, if you're going to build a case for why the SEC is going to be good moving forward and that this is just kind of a down year, I think it kind of starts and stops with something like that. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. You look at these. If like I, I'm, I love the I love conference tournaments. I've missed the Big East tournament so much, like the real Big East tournament from back in the day, like the Kimball Walker days mm. of UConn, everything like that. But you look at this, and and you know I gave so much praise to Arkansas earlier, and I know we're doing it now. I, I will say also Georgia is a team. The way they're built, uh, and especially when you have a star power, you get to March. There's a possibility. You have people take over. I, I like Arkansas the most because they have, like I said, Isaiah Jones, Joe and Mason Jones. Um, I, I, George with Anthony Edwards, they could make a run. I mean, like, like in this, in this, in this format, when it's just a tournament, you, you can catch fire. And like, I think basketball more than more than almost any other sport, this is a t- this is a time where like elite players take over games, and and Georgia has the most elite player in the conference. Okay, just that's saying. that's. Fair, fair to bring up. I think that though, if you're trying to figure out what we're go- what what we're going to be talking about in terms of SEC basketball when Selection Sunday rolls rolls around, it's likely going to be look. This is the Big Ten is set up really well. The ACC is in a down yeah. year. The SEC is in a down year. The SEC is not going to have the seven teams that that made no. the field last year. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, I think that there's also just the fact that there's a ton of parity in college hoops this year shows you look. We could be having a totally different conversation if three SEC teams make the Sweet 16 and there's maybe at least one that gets to the Final Four. And then all of a sudden, we're, yeah. we're not necessarily talking about what a down year this has been for the SEC. I mean, crazier things have happened. Do I think it'll happen? No, because I don't necessarily trust Auburn and LSU at this point to make that sort of a run. But I think that given the unpredictability of of this year in college basketball where it just feels like there's not those great elite teams I yeah. think the door is wide open for the SEC. We're right. hiding behind the word parody, but it's not that. In my <laughs> Different kind opinion, of parody. In my, Different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> let's do some predictions. Um, why, don't you, why don't you start? No, you start. Okay. I went shock. A little bit shock. I have Kentucky winning, but I have Kentucky beating A&M in that oh. very winnable bottom half of the bracket. Now... Why no Auburn, no LSU? I, I have alluded to this. 
Both of them could absolutely make runs. And I've said in the past, and I even said, I think, yeah, when Alyssa Lang was on, I was like, oh, so I'll pencil in LSU as a Final Four team. Kind of backed off off that a little bit. (laughs) I've watched a lot of LSU the last few weeks, and I've been like, eh, let's, okay, let's back, let's pump the brakes. LSU away from home, man. Uh, LSU doesn't have a winning streak in a month. Haven't won two in a row in a month. That's bad. That's not good. That's not good. In Auburn, the streaky shooting... Uh, troubling, I, I think. Just away watching, from home, away from home, and they have such a big home court advantage. And you know, obviously Tennessee, you know, was able to, or not Tennessee. Tennessee should have won at Auburn, but A and M ultimately um, went on the road and won at Auburn. I'm not just saying that I think A and M is going to win because they beat Auburn already, but I think A and M is just scary right now because they're not sitting on that yeah. bubble. They're not a team that. You know, they don't necessarily have somebody like Anthony Edwards that's going to make you want to over-prepare for somebody like them necessarily. And I think that Buzz Williams and the way that he has finished this season with this team and how well that they defend is super impressive. SEC Coach of the Year likely coming for him in year one and what he's done where they just won more SEC games than they have in the last four years. That's a team that lost TJ Starks in the beginning of the season and was picked to finish 12th in, in the division. So... Well, they should have, but yes. Yeah, they, they probably should have. They probably should have, but thus is life in the SEC. And I actually yeah. thought that they played pretty well against LSU and Kentucky, relatively speaking. I thought they kind of yeah. hung with them. Um, well, not LSU. That first half was garbage. It was, they, they did come back in the second half. It was a seven-point game with four minutes left Bro. in that game. So I'll, I'll give them credit for that. But still, I, I think that A&M is a team that's capable of making a run. I like well-coached teams to be able to go deep into tournaments with quick turnarounds like this. So yeah, I have AM going there, but ultimately I think Kentucky figures it out. I think Higgins comes back with the right attitude. And even if he does it and there's a little bit of that divide and they have to play in some close games early on with a Mississippi State or something like that, they're just so good. Nick Richards, Emmanuel Quickly, like they've they have been they have been the most complete team in the SEC this year. Best two teams in the SEC on a neutral court, do you want to guess? You well you said it earlier, Kentucky, Mississippi State. No, no, no. No, I'm saying the bit. Well, let me rephrase. From this past season, who has the best record from the SEC, the top two records in the SEC on a neutral court? Kentucky and. Oh, this is tough. Don't say Arkansas. Is it Arkansas? No, it's not. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, like the, the, the road, the road records for SEC teams this year was absolutely atrocious. You had. You had two teams over 500. You have two total teams. A&M, and that's not including neutral floor. I'm just saying on the road, purely on the road. A&M went 5-4, and four, and Kentucky went 8-2. and two. On a neutral court, Auburn was 4-0 this year, and Florida was 4-1. and one. I don't think almost everything I said right there, besides what Kentucky did, doesn't matter. Um, I, I will give... Tip of the cap to the whole parody argument. If you want to make one case for why it was parody this year and not just they were bad teams, do you have the longest streak right now? You know, the longest winning streak uh, and or losing streak in the SEC. Oh, gosh. It's got to be what, like three games? The longest winning streak in the SEC is two games. What? And, and it's, it's, it is held by two teams, A&M and Vanderbilt. Red hot. Red hot Red hot Commodores. right now. Don't Red hot Commodores. Coming in hot. They were. I know they were three and fifteen in the conference, but here we go. Um, all right. Now listen. I'll I'll pat myself on the back. You're welcome. Um, I was the only person at SDS last year. 
that had Auburn picked to win the SEC championship. It's also the only person, I think, in America that was outside of Auburn that had Auburn in the Final Four. Can we give, just give me props, a little, little round of applause? You do Auburn. love Auburn. I do find myself saying you that You know often. it. You know it. Um, here, Kentucky wins the SEC basketball tournament over Arkansas. Arkansas is going to make a run. Arkansas will beat Vandy. They will beat South Carolina. They will beat LSU. LSU is the most overrated three seed in this conference tournament, I think, in the history of the conference tournament. Holy cow. And, and, and if this game was being played at LSU, LSU could maybe win it all. I don't know. But I just I hate the brand of basketball they've been playing over the past ten games. They had lost uh, six of their last nine. There you go. Nice. Going into this weekend. Um, and then smack Georgia, I, but yeah. And then smack Georgia, without a doubt. But I, I do think... I think Georgia wins, and I think Arkansas wins on on Wednesday. I'm excited for those games. Kentucky gets to the finals. Uh, They beat Arkansas and the coronavirus uh, and win the SEC basketball tournament. I think Arkansas is going to make a run. They have have the best one-two punch in terms of star power in the SEC. Holy cow. Yowza. So you are sleeping on the doors then. I'm, I'm very much so sleeping <laughs> on the doors. You can call me Jack from Titanic. I'm sleeping on the door. Oh, All right, let's talk a little pigskin here. Um, now, spring football is starting up. We're excited. I made my prediction. You looked at me like I yeah, didn't I make my prediction. You got you, you gave me a look right now that was just terrified. What was that? I thought, I thought we had an interview. <laughs> yeah, we got an interview. We got an interview with Candler in like uh, roughly five, six minutes. We'll get to it. Well, let's cool. talk a little Florida stuff first, though. We're going to talk let's a lot of Georgia stuff. stuff. So we're going to balance it out by talking some Florida stuff. That's how we're going to do things. Um, Florida is the pick to win the SEC, I think, is going to continue to get momentum. Not just the SEC East, but to win the entire SEC. Urban Meyer, who, of course, biggest Florida fan in the world, as we have found out those, these last couple of years, um, came out and predicted that the Gators are, he's gonna he said that the Gators are gonna win the SEC and make the playoff uh, earlier in the offseason Jacob Copeland the Florida receiver made that prediction as well so much and Danny Cannell even came out right after Jake Fromm declared for the NFL draft and said Florida is winning the SEC East in 2020 book it a lot of people are on board with this you know what's crazy though Florida hasn't even been the preseason SEC East pick since 2010 so in the post Urban Meyer era they have not been picked to win the division in the preseason, which is wild. It's not crazy at all. I, I think it's I, I think it's kind of wild that like we're talking about a ten year stretch, in a program that has been in the last thirty years, um, I, one of the ten best in, in college football. Is that in is the that, last thirty years in, as a whole? In the have, last yes. thirty years, yes. So they have eight SEC football championships yeah, overall yeah. in the history of, and in six of those were won from ninety two to what. Or I'm sorry, 93 to 98, 99. Right. I don't remember. Anyway, that could be wrong. So this is going to continue to pick up up steam for sure. Um, the schedule does set up well because Ole Miss on the road, you get new look LSU at home. I remember being there for that 2018 game, and you know an LSU team that still actually was really good that year ultimately yep. could not overcome Florida in the swamp. Um, my guess. I think that Florida gets the second most votes to win the SEC behind Bama at Media Days. Oh, really? I think Bama will get the I will, most votes. I will, I'll do a beard bet on that. <gasps> Let's yeah, go. All I'll right, what's the bet? bet on that. What's the bet? Georgia, Georgia has the second most. I mean, Georgia has the most in the East. Okay, so you think that Georgia will get the most media votes to win the SEC East. 
I will predict Florida. We will bet our beard. Yes. We will yeah. determine this at SEC Media Days. We finally have a beard bet. I've never been prouder. Here's the thing. And I love Florida fans. And, and thank you for defending me in the comments constantly when I am under a barrage, a litany, <laughs> a just bombardment. We've used of, litany of Georgia, in back-to-back podcasts. Georgia hate. Let the record show. That is great. Proud of us. I don't know how to spell it, but it is litany in here. Um, no, I, so, like... As much as I appreciate Georgia or Florida fans coming to my defense, whenever Georgia fans um, want to just burn me at the stake or whatever, Florida's not beating Georgia. Not with that defense. I, and I do hold on. I do want to say one one thing. And I'm not trying. This is not. I'm not trying to hate on Florida. I think they're going to be a really good team this year. They've been a really good team the past two years. Somehow it's gone kind of unnoticed for, for whatever reason. Um, Jacob Copeland. The fact that you mentioned him predicting something. And, and that was your reference about Jacob Copeland and not what it should have been. The reference to Jacob Copeland should have been, my God, what workout are you on right now? Because I need to jump on that for the wedding. That, my God. He looks incredible. Jacob Copeland has gotten swolled up. You know that post-gym feeling when you just walk out and you... You have that little bit of that that post-workout high sometimes of like... just You, you just vent. I had ribs for breakfast. <laughs> So no. <laughs> I was gonna say that's. I feel like that's what Jacob Copeland had, but he's not the only one that has come out and predicting this. And to be yeah. clear, predicting that Florida is going to win the division ahead of Georgia is different than than somebody coming out and saying right now that Play Florida safe, is going Connor. to win. No, no, no. I'm just saying because. A lot of stuff can change from the time that yeah. Media Day starts to the time that the cocktail party rolls around. I mean, that that is yeah. that that is a fair thing to make. We're going to know a lot more about both of these teams. Are you going to predict Florida over Georgia? That's a good question. And it's one that I've gone back and forth on a lot. I think now that I've got this beard bat in place, I mean, I might I might be trending in that direction, but I can be talked out of it. I want to see it how would things be really play out. good. It'd be really good for my brand and social media following if you could predict Florida to win. Because <laughs> I'm I'm predicting Georgia to win, not because I'm hedging or because I'm just trying to be nice and predict that Georgia. Like, We're hedging is a podcast. Because I what I I'm not I'm not trying to hedge anything. I'm just trying to predict that I think Georgia's going to win. And I know that there's a lot of Georgia fans that are going to roll their eyes because they think, no, surely not. Chris said something nice about Georgia. He definitely doesn't mean it. What the F ever. I'm predicting Georgia to win the SEC now. And, or not SEC. I'm sorry, SEC East now. Um, I would love for you to pick Florida to win. You know what's funny is if somebody actually looked at that prediction and if that if that proved to be true where we come around this time in early they November. They would say I was lying. Well, what I would, what I'd be saying is like, People would look at your bio and be like, oh, Marler's from Georgia. Of course, he's going to pick Georgia to win that game, knowing that you're, you're a Bama fan. And they would look at my yeah. bio, and I live in Orlando, and they'd be like, oh, of course, he's from Florida. He's yeah. predicting Florida to win that game, not knowing that neither and, of us don't then, have, and, and have then the rooting the, interest. Well, whoever just the patron saint of Georgia message boards is, I don't know who that person would be, then that person would come out of the woodwork and make sure everyone knew that Marler hates Georgia, apparently, and would never pick them to do anything good. So that like you would be saved. I would not be. I would still be burned at the stake. I'm just going to agree with everything that Urban Meyer says and trust that everything he says is 100% accurate and I have no reason to doubt it, right? That's fair, yeah. We, I, yeah. I, that, mm, no more comments for me. <laughs> 
On that fine note, let's go to our interview with Candler Cook. He is going to talk about a lot of things Georgia. It was great to be able to really get to know him over the course of the last year. He was so nice to be able to have us out uh, to his suite for the Georgia-Mizzou game. We got to tag along with him as well for the SEC Championship. A lot of fun getting to meet Candler and his buddies this past year. So let's get to our interview with Candler Cook. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is our good buddy, Candler Cook. Candler, you're not just a Georgia fan who goes to every game, but as we talked about the last time that you came on, you're a former Georgia walk-on who essentially did the 21st century version of the Rudy thing. I mean, you bleed red and black a little bit more, so I got to start with this. It's the offseason, which means, like most Georgia fans, the expectations are high. Have you talked yourself into Georgia winning a national championship in 2020? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I definitely think it's a possibility. I think they have really about as good of a shot as they've had so far under Kirby Smart, but there are just so many variables that still need to play out. It's hard to tell what's going to happen with Georgia's offense. I feel like the defense is much more of a um, a known commodity, but there's still there's still you know a lot of work that needs to be done on offense. And as we saw last year, you know, anything can happen on any given day. Um, For the most part, Georgia played somewhat consistently. But then you look at the game against South Carolina where we turned it over four times and got upset. So, you know, even with all the preparation that goes in on the offseason, they still have to execute every game and, you know, make sure that they navigate the schedule with it at most one loss to try to put themselves in a good position to make the playoff. The You mentioned the, the variables here and the questions on offense. I think Georgia fans have talked themselves into the combination of Jamie Newman and Todd Munkin with this new offense and, and you know even Matt Luke coming in and replacing Sam Pittman. What are your thoughts kind of right now on the state of this new offense going into 2020? I think it should be some positive change, um, and I think it should be reassuring that you know if you look at how the offense performed last year, I don't think they're going to perform worse this year. Um, you know, you look at the, they had five games against ranked teams and only one of those did they score more than 24 points. Um, so, you know, offensively it was kind of a struggle all season. So I think Matt Luke will do a good job. I mean, it's great when you can get someone with former head coaching experience to come in as an assistant. And I'm hoping they, um, you know, open up the playbook a little bit, start throwing the ball downfield, let Jamie Newman, um, you know, use his athleticism and run some. So I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, we still have a lot of great alignments since they recruited that position so well. But it'll be interesting to see how Zamir White grows into being a starter. Um, and I will say I do feel more confident about the receiving core than I did last year. Um, just with George Pickens, Dominic Blaylock, and Demetrius Robertson coming back, I feel like we finally have a little experience and aren't quite as green at that position. All right, so fill in the blank here. Jake Fromm going to the NFL was what? I think that was a tough decision, but probably not the right call for him. Um, I know he's a competitor and obviously has a lot of belief in himself, um, which probably led to him wanting to test himself at the next level. And, um, you know, I, I definitely think he'll get a look. It definitely remains to be seen whether he'll become, you know, a starter in the NFL. Um, but it was just tough to see a guy who has won a lot to go out on such a rough note. Um, you know, last season it was really the exact same struggles every single game, and it just seemed like 
whether it was injuries at receiver or just him, um, you know, just kind of being erratic with his passes, that that was just a tough note to go on. Like you look at um, his accuracy numbers from his freshman and sophomore, and they were pretty impressive. And then really there was a six-game stretch last year where he never even completed 50% of his passes in a single game. So it was just it was a tough note to go out on. But that being said, um, he, you know, he – brought a lot of good memories for Georgia fans, three great seasons, um, you know, three SEC East titles and a playoff appearance. So um, you definitely wish him nothing but the best, but I think that timing could be tough just because if you look at in the preseason last year, some people were forecasting he may be a late first round, early second round pick, and that's not really what you're hearing anymore. So I felt that if he had come back one more year, maybe he could have worked his way back into that conversation. Candler, I feel like I have to start any, not just interview, but just interaction with you um, by saying thank you. Because if it wasn't <laughs> for your hospitality and graciousness and and basically permission slip you gave me into um, drinking uh, after that BAM LSU loss, I don't know how I would have made it, man. So thank you once again uh, for the, the hospitality uh, that first weekend in November. I, my, my question is kind of piggybacking off the Jake Fromm thing. Jamie Newman is a guy that is it's it's sparked some of the most um, I would say I guess maybe heated or passionate debates like especially on social media of of is this guy going to be is he going to live up to the hype that you've heard from some you know pro football focus having him like the number three uh, returning quarterback in the country or is he a guy that only played in the ACC what are your thoughts on Jamie Newman and is he a guy that could be a difference maker uh, in a way that Jake Fromm maybe couldn't uh, moving forward with with the dogs. I think I think he can be, um, but I can't say for certain that he will be. He's still somewhat young as a starter. I mean, he, he only has one full season of starting experience. And like you mentioned, it was against ACC competition. At times he looked great. Um, he did turn the ball over a decent amount. I think he definitely has the ability to be a game changer. Um, if you look at you know the running backs, the offensive line that he has, you know there should be opportunities to throw the ball downfield in some you know, one-on-one coverages that he can take advantage of, but we have to actually execute and do that. So I think he has all the tools to, um, and it's hard to say for sure whether he will, but I I definitely think it's possible that he, you know, makes the next step and and helps the team just win those extra one or two more games that would help get them to their goals. Georgia fans are in such a unique position. I don't think there's really any comparison for them in terms of college football because they have this combination of the 1980 thing with the number one recruiting classes that continue to come in. And it's, it's very unique because I think that's what sets it apart from a Notre Dame and a Michigan who, yeah, they have championship droughts and all that stuff, but they're not bringing in number one recruiting classes like Georgia is. On a scale of one to 10 in terms of angst, where do you find yourself at right now? <laughs> um, for me personally, I try not to stress out too much about it. I would say maybe a four but I think the average Georgia fan may be at a six or seven only because it can be tough to year after year keep knocking on the door but not break through it would you know it would be different if uh the program went through lulls where you know for years and years we've just been winning six or seven games but it seems like for a while I mean even back to you know under Mark Rich so really for like 20 years now Georgia has been knocking at the door um very close and you know, sometimes they'll break through and occasionally get like an SEC title, but 
still a national title has eluded them. So I think there's a little bit of angst, but there's also a lot of belief. You mentioned recruiting. In the SEC, it's always important to win in recruiting. And I was actually pretty blown away um, when I saw this, but it was an article that walked through every school's recruiting expenses by year. And the most recent year they had data for was 2018. Georgia spent 40% more than every other school in America. The second closest was Alabama. And so if you're spending that much more money on recruiting, you really should be delivering with number one recruiting classes. Um, so I think there's a lot of things. It's the recruiting. It's the money going into the program. Um, it, I, there are a lot of reasons why Georgia fans feel like, you know, this team has every opportunity to get over the hump. So, you know, now or, or soon, it's really time to do that. Follow-up question on that, uh, Candler. On a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of angst, where do you find yourself uh, as a Georgia fan with me right now? And I hope it is also <laughs> dissimilar than what uh, most Georgia fans um, also feel towards me. <laughs> no, I would say it's it's very low. Um, yeah, definitely enjoyed getting getting your take on some of the games and hearing your take as a, as a neutral, like um, non-biased observer for the SEC championship last year was good. But I will tell you, I mean, the Georgia-Alabama game, anytime they get to meet in the regular season, so we can actually look forward knowing that that matchup will happen, such an exciting game. I think it probably will be the biggest um, game of the the regular season. And the loser of it is not out by any means, but the loser of that game really doesn't have much wiggle room unless it's just some, you know, kind of crazy year where a two-loss team could get into the playoffs. So, I think that'll be a really exciting game, um, even more so with the whole Scott Cochran drama. And and I think that's that's more a case of we kind of know what Alabama lost, but I'm not sure yet what Georgia gained as a special teams coach just because he is not, you know, he's never done a role like that before. But there are a lot of great storylines going into that. I think they'll both likely be top five teams, um, probably college game day in town. There's always the you know, the storyline of no Nick Saban pupil has ever beaten him. So there's a lot going into that where, you know, I, I would expect Georgia to be ready and give them their best shot, but you kind of never know what will happen until that game kicks off. Caitlin, let's, uh, let's go back in time a little bit. Um, and let, for the sake of this argument, let's exclude your playing career because obviously you getting on the field in a Georgia uniform the way that you did is kind of in a class by itself when it comes to this. But what is your favorite memory as a Georgia fan? Sure. I would say my single favorite memory would be um, the Rose Bowl when Georgia beat Oklahoma. It was just such a wild game where, I mean, everyone, like most of the Georgia fans I was sitting with had written us off because Baker Mayfield and that offense were just dominant. And then to come from behind 17 and win that game um, was just really special. There were a lot that season, like the, the road trip to Notre Dame with all the Georgia fans in the stands was pretty incredible. And then getting revenge on Auburn and the SEC championship was good, but I think the, uh, the Rose Bowl that year takes the cake. Okay, so I'm glad you mentioned that because you, you told me this story, but I, I think the masses need to hear it. And, you know, feel free to leave out as many, as many details as you want. Um, it's a great it might mean too much because when Georgia made it to the Rose Bowl that year, I know that you dropped some serious cash. Um, it, like I said, share whatever details that you want here. What was the number that you were like, all right, this is ultimately what we're going to spend on this experience? And what was the number that you were willing to go up to to make sure that you got the full Rose Bowl experience? Sure. Yeah, I, I knew that that was just such 
such a, a great venue to take in a game and really wanted to go to it. And I mean, I, I was you know, on my laptop this second that the playoff committee announced the seeding because we didn't know for sure if Georgia would be the three or the four seed um, and was ready to book it immediately. And so I ended up paying um, 800 a ticket to fly Spirit with two layovers <laughs> to get out to L.A. <laughs> um, I checked, and Delta was already over 1700 If it had been anywhere near that, I probably would have just flown direct with Delta. But I thought... Um, 1700 was a little crazy. And then what I would have gone up to, I mean, I kind of would have just paid whatever it took, I guess. I mean, I would have been willing to spend 2000 or something to fly out there. Um, thankfully, the Airbnbs and tickets weren't too outrageous, but it was just a great experience. And one of my good friends, um, John Huff, who also was a former UGA walk-on, he wanted to go, but the flights were a bit out of his budget, so he actually joined a group that chartered a bus from Athens and drove to L.A. for the game. And he wow. said it took them 47 hours to drive there, including stops <laughs> on the way there. They got there two hours before kickoff, and then an hour after the game ended, they turned around and came back, and it took 55 hours on the way back because they had a flat tire at one point. Oh, my, oh God. my God. That's incredible. <laughs> I love that story. That's yeah. amazing. Candler, I don't want you to take this in a in a weird way. This is purely a compliment. You're too pretty to be flying on Spirit, bro. You can't be doing that. <laughs> That's not. You can't. You can't. It's not okay. Um. So my my question would be this. Uh, and I'll, I'll piggyback again off of off of that question. Um, I thought 2017 obviously didn't end the way Georgia fans would have wanted it, but I thought it was just such an incredible year to you know to avenge the loss to Auburn, to be able to go up to Notre Dame and win that game, then to be able to go to the Rose Bowl. Give me a dream scenario for for this season. I imagine it starts with a win in Tuscaloosa or at least a win against you know maybe Bama in Atlanta at the end of the season. But what would be your dream playoff run for for Georgia uh, this year? Sure. I would say, one, it has to start around defense because that's for, for Georgia this season, that's you know going to be the backbone of the team. They're returning nine starters off the number one scoring defense. So I think that they should be able to keep us in any game. Um, and then I would say, really, what would make the season a dream is if the offense starts clicking, you know, the new coordinators are dialing up some plays that can confuse people. And, um, yeah, I think if Georgia were to – you know, win in Tuscaloosa, even if it's, you know, just a last second nail biter where they didn't even necessarily look like the best team, just any win in that game will really skyrocket the expectations even further. Um, but I also think it's very, very important for Georgia to beat Florida and stay ahead of them in the East, because hypothetically, if they win every other game, but lose to Florida, they might not even play in the SEC championship. And so I think that it's, you know, it's going to be very important to stay ahead of them. Um, and then, you know, in all likelihood, I think Georgia may be getting a rematch against Alabama in the SEC championship. I think uh, what LSU mm-hmm. did last year was pretty special, but I see them taking somewhat of a step back. I don't think they'll be a bad team, but I could see something like 10-3 and three this year. Um, and, you know, Auburn will always be around. I'm not sure if they're quite ready to, to go over the hump and put together, you know, a consistent 12-game good season where it's not a seesaw back and forth like we saw at times last year. Um, and so I, I think, you know, there's a chance in order to make the playoff that Georgia may have to beat Alabama twice or at least go one and one against them in the two matchups. But 
Um, beyond that, I mean, really the only thing that would make it better than 2017 season would be if they actually get over the hump and do win a national title. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Clemson and Ohio State taking up two of those playoff spots again. So I think it could be you know, a great matchup for Georgia to go against Justin Fields and Ohio State, just with him obviously being a former Georgia yeah. quarterback. Um, although I think it could be great for Georgia to play Clemson. That's kind of becoming a rivalry again with them playing six times over a 12-year period. So I, I wouldn't mind getting to play them more often too. Yeah, it's growing up, man. That's I, some of those best games between Clemson and Georgia were a little bit before my time, but that's still one of my favorite rivalries. It's just, I mean, it's eighty-one miles apart. It's just, it, se- it seems like awesome, like a no-brainer sometimes. But uh, yeah, that game in that game in September in Tuscaloosa. People forget the last three times Georgia has gone to Tuscaloosa. The, I think the total uh, points they've been separated by is by six points, and, and Georgia's won the last two. So um, anyway, the next question I have for you is. You know, I, I said last year I thought Richard LeCount was going to be a, a guy that the start of the season, maybe not uh, all-conference or preseason all-conference, but at the end of the year would, would definitely have played his way into that. Um, I was a little bit off. I thought he had a good season, but I was a little bit off in that prediction. I, I will say I think N'Kobe Dean is going to be a household name in the like all around the country by the end of this season. Give me a guy that is maybe not uh, hasn't really blown up yet, um, but is going to be a star uh, for, for Georgia by the end of next season. I think um, Jamari Sawyer on the offensive line, he's a redshirt mm-hmm. sophomore, um, spent time behind you know, some of the best tackles and, and guards in the country, and he's a really versatile guy. Um, from what I'm hearing so far, he's going to be the, um, the starting right tackle, and he's a guy that people were really excited about. He was a five-star recruit out of high school, and he just hasn't really gotten to see the field that much. He got two starts um, due to some injuries last year, so I think he'll make a difference. Um, I think Zamir White is really going to step up and be a star for Georgia. You know, Georgia usually has at least one or two great running backs each year, and and he's in line to see uh, a huge increase in the amount of touches that he gets. Um, So I think he'll be someone to also um, look forward to. And then I'll also say of the freshmen that Georgia signed, I really can't wait to see uh, Darnell Washington take the field. He was the Mm -hmm. number one tight end in the country, and it, you you can't teach six eight so I mean I, I really don't know what kind of defenders are going to be able to battle him for jump balls if we do decide to throw to him some downfield I think that would be exciting to see. Candler, your uh, your guy Mark Richt he he has had a, a tough month I think on social media he posted <laughs> he posted that picture of his hot dog with the beans and the ketchup it, it looked like vomit on a plate it was it looked disgusting. <laughs> Uh, do you do you have any good stories of Rick that you witnessed firsthand, like maybe him chugging milk mid practice or something like that? <laughs> sure, I've got one. Um, the 2011 season, my senior year, was was really kind of a um, an interesting one because we were coming off of the worst season that Georgia's had, still the worst they've had since '96. So not a great season. There was a lot of pressure on him. And then we had two top 10 matchups in a row to start the season between um, Boise State and then South Carolina lost both of those close. And so the pressure on him was immense. He may have even been one loss away from getting let go at the time, but we actually went on a 10 game winning streak um, to win the East and get to the SEC championship. Well, my favorite memory would be after the Kentucky game where we clinched the East um, for some reason, everyone was jumping up and down, and some of the guys started spraying water on the ground. And Coach Rick just ran, got a full head of steam, and just dove across the floor and ended up skidding so hard that he hit a table at the end and bruised some of his ribs. But you could just tell that it was like 
a weight was lifted off of his shoulders that that had just turned from a season where people were ready to let him go to all of a sudden people are saying, wow, this is a, you know, a, potentially a top 10 team and they could really be building for next year. I love it. That's, that's, that's really good. Um, do you have skepticism about Kirby or do you believe that he's ultimately going to be the guy that makes the 1980 joke stop? I think he is. Um, he's definitely young, so he's going to have a lot more chances. Um, and one thing that I think is that if we keep recruiting at this high of a level and keep putting ourselves in as many of these like SEC championship games and playoffs as we can, one of the times things are going to fall our way. Um, it, whether it takes you know forcing an extra turnover or two on defense or whatever the case is, so if they keep plugging away, getting back, you know, each year, if you get to the SEC championship with, you know, zero or one losses, well, that's a play into the playoffs. So if we keep getting back to those, those will eventually fall our way. So I definitely think he has all the tools in place and he's going to have a lot of time to do it just with how young he is. So I, I think he is the guy, I can't say, you know, for sure that, it, that it'll be this year, although I feel like they have as good of a chance as they've had the last few years. Well, I mean, yeah, those are all your words. Some of the same words that I've said too, Kaylor. I think <laughs> yours will be received better than mine. Uh, it should be fun either way, man. It's it's, it's going to be a fun season. I think uh, I personally think it, 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 at the very least that that former assistant, um, you know, Ofer against Saban. I think I think that at least changes. But let's get you out of here on on two minute drill, and uh, you know, it's our rapid fire question and answer game. Uh, you've, you've obviously played it before. You've heard it before. Are you ready to play? I am. All right, we've got 10, uh, 10 questions. This is not like the Bama-Auburn game from this year. We're not going to put an extra second on the clock, so we have two minutes on the clock. That is all you get. Here we go. First question, what is your go-to road trip snack? Um, I'd say Chex Mix. Okay, I like that. Uh, I was really worried you were going to say milk and we were going to have a problem, Candler. Um, okay, favorite favorite Netflix show to binge watch now that it's technically, quote-unquote, the off-season? Um, trying to think. Some of my favorite ones aren't even on Netflix. Um, I would say Justified. Oh, okay. That's a good show. It's a really good show. It's a strong answer. Um, okay. It's springtime, at least for today in Atlanta. It's good patio drinking weather. What's your favorite springtime beer? Um, that's a good question. I'd say, uh, Sweetwater, just their 420. Okay. I like that. I always drink Sweetwater Blue, and then uh, my fiance emasculates me for it, so it's a little bit different. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Speaking <laughs> of, go-to Girl Scout cookie. What's your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Um, it's got to be Tagalongs. I think those are definitely the Amen. Best. Yes. So I've never even been on the Tagalong hype train until this year. I'm a Samoa guy myself. I, I had no idea. They're, they're pretty good. We got our first box. Anyway, next question. Bucket list concert. That's a good question. Um Hmm. I'd say uh, maybe Luke Bryan. Oh, oh okay. that's an answer that's okay. not going to sit well with Marler, if I know Marler. I, <laughs> Candler, I saw Luke Bryan 47 times in my in my time in Milledgeville. That's the only reason why. Um, I if I would have known, I just would have invited you. If I would have known you then, I would have invited you down. Um, <laughs> anyway, okay, so next question. Uh, bucket list sporting event. As a guy that's already been to the Rose Bowl, what's, what's left in the bucket list sporting event for you? Um, I'd say the Kentucky Derby. I've really been wanting to go to that one. Ooh, good answer. I feel like you would crush it at the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> That's good. Um, okay, uh, it's a, it's apparently spring break. So what's your favorite or what is the best spring break destination? 
you know, I'm, I'm so out of touch with that. I mean, back when I was in school, it would have been Panama City, but I've heard that's changed. Maybe something in Florida, like Fort Lauderdale. It's not bad. Yeah, Panama anything City. Anything in Florida. A, anything in Florida. Um, yeah, Panama City. It's 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 drinks are cheap, but you're you're gonna get tetanus. I, I think that's something that stands true, uh, <laughs> even since I was there. All right, we got three left. Best bar in Athens. I'd say Boar's Head. Ah, strong answer. Very strong answer. Okay, two more. March Madness or the Masters? I like March Madness. The Masters is great, but I think the last day is really where the most excitement is. March Madness, I mean, even the first round is just much CTV. This is spot on. This is an incredible score. All right, last but not least. You can't, you can't dance around this one. It's a very concrete answer I'm looking for. <laughs> UGA, regular season record. What is it? I'll go with eleven and one. Who's that lost to? I will say right now, likely to Alabama. Just seeing the recent history of those rivalries, Georgia has been taking care of Florida and Auburn pretty frequently, and I think Tuscaloosa is always a tough spot to play. That that's if that happens, Kelly, that score is going to be like a Big Ten score. It's going to be like ten to nine. That that defense Georgia has, nobody's scoring on that thing. Anyway, that is. Let me add these up. Yeah, that's a that's a this is one of our highest scores ever. We got two hundred and sixty nine points. Wow, very nice. Kandler, that's uh that is nice. That is really nice, Candler. Um, we appreciate you coming on, man. Um, it's been so fun getting to go to games with you this past year. We're gonna have to meet up again soon. Marler, unfortunately, is is getting married really really soon, so that kind of crowds the the plans to me to maybe make it up to the Georgia spring game. But we're gonna have to set something. Sorry up. for me. Maybe in the off season. Maybe maybe you come. What we should do is you come to media days with us. I don't think there's a suite at media days, but if there is, I'm sure you'll be all over it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Congrats, Chris. That's really exciting. I appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate it. It should be a lot of fun. I tell you what, if you ever need any questions about the best floral arrangements to hang in a suite, you ask. Not me, because I still don't know the answer. But you, you know, I'm sure we could figure it out. <laughs> Awesome. Candler, well, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll be in touch. We'll talk soon, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Take it easy, bud. So, Marler, over the weekend, by the way, appreciate Candler for coming on. Great to hear from him. Um, He's the best, dude. He makes me excited about football just because of, like, the obviously the experiences that we got were really, really cool, but he was one of the reasons that our season was as memorable as yeah. it was. Like just talking to him again, I'm like, oh, it feels like we were you yeah. know, back in a game, just kind of shooting it with him. So that was. We well, also they, and he that. he like more so than most people that I even know. I feel like he does such a good job. Like he brought up, I forgot, I forgot the exact stat, but he was like, you know, they only averaged 25 points per game in games. I was like, that's what I'm talking about, Candler. Candler's a very Love level-headed it. dude. Very level-headed dude, dude. Very level-headed dude. Knows what he's talking about. Um, I said dude to start and end that sentence. So that's, that's, that says a lot about me. Yeah, whatever happens. Over the weekend, I was at, they had, um, over, one of my, my wife's clients is like this big, like kind of beachy outdoor bar area. And they have a lot of events and stuff like that. And they do, they had this art gala. It was great. It was awesome. I tweeted it out. I went to an art auction for the first time, had a few oh, beers. Yeah. It was awesome. If you have never listened to an art auctioneer, and not just Jimbo Fisher, but like a real art auctioneer, do it because it's fun. Have a couple beers, get loose. It is great. It is so fun to listen. I was locked in for like an hour and forty-five minutes. I don't know anything about art. I, we weren't there to buy anything, but it was incredible. Are we all there? 
Uh, it was you know my my wife's clients um, is, oh, this, yeah, yeah. is this company, so they were putting on the event. Aren't they like you, are they usually pretty funny the auctioneers, and they make like little subtle jokes? Yeah. Or is that just in Mickey Blue Eyes? No, they do. They absolutely do. Okay. They, like he this guy was he was very very good. And I found out after he was apparently like blacked out two hours beforehand and <laughs> rallied to do this. So all the more impressive that he did this. But they had this, I did go ahead. Well, I was gonna say they had this gala on Saturday night, and they had you know a bunch of free food for us and stuff like that, and there was. They had uh they had like a you know like a, a low country boil and so they Ooh. had um you know they had shrimp and they had like andouille sausage and stuff like that and um they had all these hot sauces but they didn't have Texas Pete and I was really really ready to douse all of that in Texas Pete and out of protest even though it was free food and it was delicious and it was like yeah. a fifty dollar meal that was essentially comped I was like you know what I'm gonna leave it plain because I'm Texas Pete or bust. <laughs> Yeah. What I, so what I would have done was taken one of those uh, knockoff Texas Pete bottles of hot sauce. I won't even, I won't even give them the satisfaction of the name. No free ads. They are. I would have I would have thrown it against one of the, the pieces of art. Just to prove a point. And you know well, what? Honestly, it, it probably would have sold for more because now you have some flavor to it. Uh, for one, and then also it, that that seems to be like abstract. I think people would probably fall for that. You can just tell it's paint. Um, also, hot take: Low Country Boil, most overrated Southern dish known to man. It, and I'll explain why later. But okay. you set me up perfectly with a, with a transition that I walked all over as usual. So let's get into <laughs> Texas Pete, my favorite part of the uh, the podcast each and every week. Giving a shout out to our boys at Texas Pete. Now I've told you a lot, uh, you know, uh, of, of essential and and useful uh, things that you can do with Texas Pete. Now, here's one that you probably didn't know. Uh, now this past weekend we were ring shopping, and I don't know if you know this or not. But um, Uncle Chris, still down, uh, upwards of over 20 pounds now from the start of the year. Oh, boy. I did not realize, regardless of all that, that my fingers, last place maybe to lose weight, and my ankles. My ankles balloon like a pregnant woman. I don't know why. Regardless, got a ring stuck on my finger this past weekend at King's Jewelers in South Carolina. Had to use a little bit of handy-dandy resources. We reached into Allie's purse. She had a packet of Texas Pete. Squirted it on in there. Lubed it on up. Got the ring right off. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you got a ring doused in Texas Pete. That is now, first off, when you say it like that, how beautiful does that sound? I mean, it sounds it sounds incredible. A little tip for anybody that, that deals with that. And I, I dealt with that on my wedding day where I was like, am I ever going to be able to take this sucker off? It did not feel yeah. this tight. Hydration is key. No. Hydration is key. If you are dehydrated, you're traveling or something like that, you, your, your fingers are going to puff up a little bit more. You don't notice Dude. it until you actually have to wear a ring, but it, it makes a difference. I tell you what, we, my friends were just cracking up about this a few weeks ago at our engagement party because me and Allie just basically stopped drinking for most of, most of the, uh, what do you call it, like, of like January and February. Well, she did especially. The, the year, I think, is year is yeah. the word you're looking for. That's yeah. a good way to put it, yeah. So we had our, we had our engagement party like two weeks ago and we're sitting there afterwards and I've got these like, these, these socks on that have like champagne glasses on them so I'm trying to show them off. And, and I, like, I was like, yeah, check out my socks. And then as soon as I looked up my shoes, it was like that scene from Billy Madison. My friends were like, goo! Like, what happened? <laughs> like, like my, my ankles were like, they were like the size of, of like a gymnast quad. It made no sense. They, they were, like, cankles doesn't even begin to describe it. My, my ankles just swole up because I was so dehydrated. But anyway, back to our good friends at Texas Pete. Make sure you go out and get a bottle of Texas Pete today. If you're at Chick-fil-A, load up on the little packets. You never know when you're not going to be in a, in, a, in a bad situation and you can't get a ring off your finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have to douse a little bit in Texas Pete. And now that ring will forever be, be just drenched in our love. And also in Texas Pete, which is just a beautiful thing. Um, before we get into fourth and wrong, we're gonna talk a little uh, spring break. I do want to. I do want to touch on one thing. Why 
uh, Low Country Boil is my least favorite food to have. I think there's, a, but there's, aren't there variations of, of what goes into a Low Country Boil? Like different. It's, it's pretty standard to be peel and eat shrimp, which is just like it's like jumbo shrimp yeah. that is not pre-peeled for you. Um, andouille sausage, and it's like big cuts of andouille sausage. It's potatoes, not like a small bit. And yeah. corn, potatoes yeah. and corn, and the corn is my problem because it's like don't like. In the same way, I hate when I order a salad, like a Caesar salad, and they give me a shrimp. They give me the shrimp on it, and they still have the tails on them. Like, don't give me a chore. That's why you're preparing food for me. Don't make me use my hands, or don't give me a fork, and I'll eat the whole thing with my with my, you don't with like, my hands. You don't like corn on the cob? I do like corn on the cob. I don't like it when it's in a bowl that's like in like almost like a soupy uh, mix of shrimp that I have to then peel and eat with my hands. And also the sausage and the potatoes. It's like and the food needs to be universal. Can I use my hands for all of it, or do I have to use like, or I use a fork for all of it? There's no, you don't dance back and forth in between. That's a slippery slope, Connor. I never thought about that. Slippery That's slope. True. I didn't eat the corn. The corn is one of those things that you eat in private, not in public. That is such a good point. And, and especially as a bearded man, as a bearded man, I, I take man. that very seriously. I, last thing I want is having some some corn sitting in my beard. Yeah, corn on the cob is delicious, but it, it is a a very very high risk, low reward food to have in public. Also, and that's that's a good way. To, that's a very good way to put it. And also, it provides no nutritional value to your body. It really doesn't, doesn't break down in your body. No, yeah. that, that's a fact. Like we yeah. used to have a doctor coming to Houston's all the time. He's like, I don't like corn. There's no nutritional, you know, added value to your body. And I was like, what? And he was, he was like, he broke the whole thing down for me as I was like, as I was already eating corn. So it was kind of messed up that he brought it up then. But <laughs> anyway, um, I, you know, I will say if you, the quickest way for me to write a one-star Yelp review about your, your establishment is to serve me a salad with shrimp tails still on the shrimp. Like I, I'll fight you in public. Weird move. Just ridiculous. Weird move. Yeah. All right. Let's get into fourth and wrong. Uh, it is officially spring break and I can tell already this won't be like most of our stories where, where I only have the crazy stories. I'm sure you've got some crazy spring break stories. Probably mm-hmm. not. We'll see. We had we had one, and so this is going to be fun because uh, my so I, I reached out and I, I kind of crowdsourced some of these because this may shock you. I don't remember fully all of my spring breaks, but I know mm. there was a lot of people around that did. So I asked some of my friends. I was like, "Hey, remember when this happened?" And and there's some there's some disconnect on on how some of the stories went. My good buddy Kyle Price, give a shout out to him. Uh, he he told me that I was wrong on a few of these stories, but um, I'm pretty sure I was I was pretty spot on. One of them involving uh, me almost getting stabbed at a bar called called Razzles in Daytona. But we'll get to that later. First question from our good friend, McKaylin Crabtree. Uh, what's the worst slash best spring break trip? You know what? We'll save it for the end because that's a really good question, Connor. Yeah, I'll save it um, for the end. That is a good one. Yeah. So w- here you go. First question. Uh, first question, which is from Drew Page. What would be the best SEC town to turn into an amazing spring break location? I can be- I'll bet you I'd almost beard bet. On, on what city I know you're going to say. Stark Vegas. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everybody, goes to, everybody wants to bet on college basketball. You just you go to the next best thing to Las Vegas, which is Stark Vegas, of course. No. Um, this is tough, but... It's not. Okay, you, you have an obvious answer in mind. I have an answer that I was leaning toward... But I don't think this place is necessarily spring break built, but I think there's a lot of room for it to improve. I think Baton Rouge would be a great place to spend spring break. I thought you were going to say Nashville. Eh, no. I would have lost my bet. Too crowded, too crowded. Like Nashville has has changed a lot to the point where now the idea of, you know, my wife is dealing with this too, of every time she has a couple of bachelorette parties coming up in the next few months, and anytime anybody threw out the idea of Nashville, she's like, please no. 
please no. Like, stay <laughs> as far away as possible. I'm not that yeah. guy. And as you will learn from this segment, which you already know, I tend to take a different route when it comes to spring break. So why not a place like Baton Rouge, a place that you know has good bars, or a place like Athens, a place that has good nightlife, and that ultimately is going to be the most important thing. Yeah, the beach stuff is great, but there's not like a ton of beach towns in the SEC to begin with. So you can't, like even Gainesville, you're still a good ways away from, from a beach or something like that. So that's a little bit of a tougher thing to spend. Um. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. I, I would have definitely thought you would have gone uh, basic white girl mode and said Nashville. Nope. I mean, like, and you're, you're spot on. I love I love that, that Lauren brought this up because I'd say 80% of white girls that are under the age of 28, if they have a a, uh, a bachelorette party, it's going to be in Nashville. It is absolutely going to be uh, in Nashville. Um, so that's, I like that answer a lot. I, I was going to say Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge seems like the clear-cut oh. answer for me. There's a casino in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. You're an hour and 10 minutes tops from New Orleans. You're 60 miles from the closest beach. You can get all sorts of things done. Or you can just pass out in the corner and, and just mouth breathe for hours uh, after getting super drunk at a, at a LSU baseball game. I don't know. I'm, I'm, they're, I'm sure they're still drinking in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, I, I'm assuming if we went to Baton Rouge for a week, at least... 23% of the time for me would be spent blowing spit bubbles in the corner because I was I was overserved. Or we could play Papa Shot at Walk-Ons. God, that'd be awesome. I would lo- I would love to do that. Uh, and then also go back to Harris because you know I love me some Harris. Gosh, you I did have, so like, well that first table. night. So well. <sighs> that was so much fun. Um, okay, second question from Michael Simmons. Sunburn tips for people uh, deny that they who who deny they need sunscreen. Wear it. Apply it often. You need it. <laughs> Um, I take it from this guy who is as pasty as they come. Um, I, sunscreen is needed for everyone, I think, right? Like, I don't know. Like, that's just. I mean, by you this be point, sunscreen at some point on your face, just because it's it's you don't want to look like an old, like like leather saddle by the time you're 38. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you, find you, the balance. Find the balance. Don't be the person yeah. that's applying it every 45 minutes. Like nobody likes being around that person because they're just stressed out about it. If you're putting on sunscreen more often than they're going to the bathroom, you're probably doing it wrong. But put it on because you know skin cancer sucks. Yeah, agreed. Um, also, so does sunburn. So yeah. this one was tough for me because I had growing up. We I I, I was on a. Um, uh, you know, I was like, I, I swam in the summers and was like a swimmer. And so I was at the pool every day. And so we had, like, I, I was like, at the end of the year, I was just super tan. And I just kind of misconstrued that as thinking like, oh yeah, I just tan. I don't burn. So when I was 15, I had one of the, uh, just a, a horrible, horrible epiphany about myself that I didn't know previously. I had to learn this the hard way. I was in, um, Florida for a baseball tournament in Jupiter, Florida. We were at the beach and, uh, I decided on the very last day I was like I'm just gonna go out and get sunburned like I'm just like I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna get tan like I'm like I don't burn so I we were out from like 10 a.m. to like 5 p.m. and I didn't wear sunscreen at all and in the last 30 minutes or last hour or so I bought zero SPF tanning oil wow. and put that on me just to like you know set the coat I guess I got uh like I think it was like um first or second degree burns basically on my body because of how bad the sunburn was. And then I found out I was allergic to, I was allergic to, um, aloe and I didn't know. Oh, had no idea. So like, I'm like coming home and like, I, and like, I legit looked like, like an Arkansas Jersey. Like it was like that Goodness. color of like maroon. It was awful. And so I come home, I'm like 15. My parents are just like, you idiot. Like, what are you thinking about? So I remember like 
it, like when you get a bad summer like that, and then I and I've doused myself in 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 uh, aloe. I started like itching and like mm-hmm. there's nothing because it was like breaking out or whatever. There's nothing you can do. You can't scratch sunburn, so I had to go stand in the shower for like like an hour or so or more because it was just like this constant like uncomfortableness. And I remember my mom, my mom and stepdad, that we were kind of going through a time where I was a pretty big a hole at this time. It was the one year. It's a really down year for me as a child. My mom was not a big fan of me and very very deservingly so. So I'm calling her and she's on this business trip. I'm like, you need to come home right now. Like I cannot. I, I'm itchy everywhere. She's like, oh, because you got a sunburn? You want me to come home from a business trip because you got a bad sunburn? Probably not going to happen, Chris. So, like, to this day, <laughs> Pastor Patty Sue still cracks up. Because it was like, at the time, I was like, you're such a jerk. I can't believe you're being so selfish. She's like, you're an idiot. Like, what, what is wrong with you? And so, to this day, she'll be like, like, I'll call her. And I'm like, I need your help. She's like, do you have a sunburn? Something wrong? <laughs> Dude, do you need to come home right now? <laughs> So shout out to Pastor Patty Sue. I bet. So um, I bet if you if you did that now, I bet if you called, you're like, Mom, I got a really bad sunburn, and you call, you're like, Mom, you need to come to Atlanta, but take. Care oh, of she'd me. jump in the car. She would absolutely. <laughs> Times have changed significantly. So the best the answer. Eighteen year old Chris was an a hole though. Yeah, he didn't deserve it. The answer to that question, then, the best tip for people who deny that they need sunscreen is. Get sunburned w- once, really, really, really yeah, bad, real bad, and it'll change your life. Happened to me in college, freshman year, little five hundred, little bike race, movie called Breaking yeah. Away. If you have never heard of it, pretty big deal. Um, all, all the worst sunburn I've ever had, and I, that was back when I used to shave my head too. Like I, I sh- I'd get like a one on my head, yeah. And taking a shower oh. with that bad of sunburn was some of the most intense pain I've ever had. I recommend <laughs> never doing it. I tell you what, man, don't ever get a sunburn on the way I did it. But the, the best thing I can tell you, don't like by all by all means, do not do it day one. If you mm-hmm. get one day one, it's gonna ruin your whole damn trip. And like Amateur I just hour. there's always some idiot that like it's like I'm gonna get drunk and, and pass out at the beach, which I, I did that before. But I mean like like if, if it's like be be the MVP for the whole group and don't like spray it on people. Let like like help somebody out because it's gonna ruin their day. It's gonna ruin a lot of other people's day if if you get sunburned day one on the trip. It's the worst. Um, all right, next question from Austin Foster. Austin Foston. Um, what's the most overrated part of spring break? We're gonna disagree on this. I know. I know okay. we will. Don't say drinking. No, no, no. It's it's, it's not <laughs> drinking. It's it's the dynamic of the Daytona type spring break, in my opinion. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because I live in Orlando. I, I thought this in college too, and I was. I was the type of person that, like, instead of going to a beach for spring break and staying in, like, some crappy motel with, like, eight dudes and just getting hammered for five days and spending, like, money that I didn't have, I would much rather go to a place that, like, I could just hang out with my buddies and watch college basketball. That's all I wanted to do in spring break every single yeah. year. And we we drank a lot. We drank a lot. But we would just watch college basketball all day. And sometimes, like, depending on when it lined up, I'd go to one of my buddies' colleges. I went to – one year, I went to I went to Charlotte with uh, with a couple of my good buddies and stayed at, like, his, his aunt and uncle's house. And we had an awesome time. We actually ended up going to the NCAA tournament. Went to Duke Hampton, saw Bruce Pearl's last game at Tennessee when they got smacked by Michigan. Like, it was a lot of fun. That is my idea of an ideal spring break where if I can pick exactly what I'm doing – it's that. And I've always been that way, even when I was in college and when I was drinking more. There's something yeah. about the idea of like spending that amount of money on going to the beach and getting sunburned and, and being hungover and like that just like doesn't sit that well with me. I don't know. I just yeah. not my thing. I mean, bottom line, dude, when you're in college, like you can drink for cheap and, and meet girls or guys or whichever, you know, like whichever sex you are or whatever your interests are. You can do that at 
at like on campus, right? Yeah, it doesn't like like having having a heightened heightened rate of catching. I'll say a bad time is not it's not something that ever interests me. I just didn't get that. You know what I mean? Like I like you go down to like Panama City and just like like I I just I don't know. I, I people it, it's it's kind of crowded. It's 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 a little bit. Um, I think you're right. Like it's it's, it's it, people make a bigger deal out of it than it really is. Like it's just not it's not that great. Um, so I, I think. Like yeah, like what I want to do is just get to a beach, relax, and not be not have anything to do. Like I want to sit on the beach and relax when mm-hmm. I want to do that. I want for as long as I want to do it. Go get food, whatever I want to. I tell you, what, one big thing is going on a spring break with a bunch of people. Like being a that nightmare group that's like, well, we've got like eighteen people in the house, so the house is going to be like a crazy mm-hmm. blank show. And then on top of that, you have to go to like did all everyone's trying to get dinner together, and like you you have like all these separate checks. And Everybody's sunburned. I hate that. Yeah, everyone's sunburned and miserable, and then you're around each other the whole time. So it's kind of like, oh my god. Yeah. I just you know, and and, and some idiot also who got sunburned also, the the biggest idiots in the house would hook up like the first night, and then they make it incredibly awkward for everyone else the rest of the trip. It's just I it, it is overrated. I agree with you. Um, all right, now this is where we're gonna, I'm going to separate from you here a little bit. What's the weirdest thing you've seen on spring break, <laughs> Zach Permenter? Man, I don't even have anything. I'm just going to defer to you on this one. <laughs> All right, I almost got stabbed at Razzles in Daytona Beach uh, on one of the worst trips ever in, in my first spring break. It's like I quit baseball that season, so I got to go on spring break for the first time um, in, in high school or college. So we went down to Daytona with a buddy of mine. It was the worst trip ever. We the uh, I think like the radiator or something, or transmission, something like was like about to bust on, on my, our buddy's car, and it, it did it like in the first hour. So we couldn't drive over 55 miles an hour the entire nice. trip. From Milledgeville to Daytona, we decided to leave and do this. Like, we're gonna pull in all night, or we're gonna get in at like 2 a.m. So we're gonna leave at like 9 p.m. Get in at two, go out or whatever. And then like we we'll check in the next morning, or we, like we're gonna check in that night and then have the full like you know first day will be like we get we got a full first day instead of like going down like anyway. We didn't get there until 7:30 in the morning. Um, we left at 9 p.m. Wow. Uh, we got there they didn't have us booked for the first day so nothing was set up we couldn't get into the place we had to go sit at a mcdonald's oh um anyway so i, I say that I'll, I'll that'll be i'll, I'll go more into that in that the worst spring break trip ever um but the weirdest thing i remember like I, <laughs> the way i remember the story was i was in a dance-off with with this guy at razzles and i was we were walking it out and i was clearing out room on the dance floor and i walked i i successfully did my dance and then turned around, I was like pumping up the crowd, and all of a sudden you hear like, oh! And I, I just thought they were like cheering for me. And and then like you hear like the the DJ be like, have a good night, sir, you're out of here. And I turned around like looking, and this dude had pulled a knife um, and tried to <laughs> stab me with it. Because what my friend Kyle remembers was I shoved him off the dance floor mm-hmm. to show him instructionally how to walk it out and that's probably more so what happened and um, therefore you almost got stabbed because yeah uh, apparently this yeah, is was not just great. where you dance fight people um <laughs> yeah <laughs> razzles i think it's shut down now the other one this is this one takes the cake this was we went to nassau on a cruise uh the cruise i forgot to tip on um or didn't forget but just didn't do it wow. my first my first spring break senior year uh our first senior year spring break and so we um we went to Nassau, and I remember we're down there. It's like me and a couple of my buddies, and Kyle's on this trip too. And um, me and my buddy John Kukius, we were like walking back, and and Nash- or N- Nassau's like kind of a seedy place 
for tourists like at night. Like it's not like if you get if you step out of you know, like like the the appropriate places you're supposed to be at, it's not a good place to be. There's a very high crime rate. And this guy started following us and he's like, You guys wanna buy any weed? And we're like, We're good. And he kept trying to sell us weed and we're like, We're good. Like like and he kept falling, kept falling. So finally my buddy's like, Hey, like we're about to have to make a run for it. And uh and so but he's like he's like, just here, like stand with me. So he just turns around, he's like, All right, bro, fine. And he's like, How much is it? Just like to get him off our back, like Whoa. thinking you'd stop. He turns around and he goes, He's like, It's ten dollars and he's like, We'll give you eight like just to leave us alone so he turns around and he's like like he's, he's really just trying to get this dude to like leave us alone we're not trying to like buy drugs this guy this dude <laughs> reaches into his mouth like like into his the corner of like under his seat like his, his like gum like where you would have like a dip pulls out drugs from his lip to give to us, and we were like, "No!" It just sprinted off, just like all the way back to the boat, on on board to our room, shut the door, night over. We're like, "We're we're good. We made it back safe. No one got stabbed, uh, or or did drugs." So it was, it was a, all in all, it was a great night. It was very uncomfortable. I mean, so, out yeah. of the mouth, like out of his mouth, Connor, out of his mouth. I was like, I didn't, and I didn't even know what drugs really looked like. I was like, I, I'm, but I'm confident that's not correct. Like I'm confident that's supposed to be doing that. I mean, aren't you more likely to pull drugs out of your butt than your mouth? In prison, yes. It's a very good question. Um, <laughs> we're learning so much on the podcast today. Gosh. Uh, last question, and and, um, and we'll move on. I got a couple for here. What's the worst slash best spring break trip you've ever been on? That is from McKaylin Crabtree. Never really had a bad spring break. The one, I, the time I got to go to Charlotte, Charlotte was awesome. I mean, one of the best weeks of my life. Ate barbecue all week. Went to NCAA tournament games. Golfed drank like oh, it yeah. was it was incredible really relaxing road trip with uh two of, two of my good buddies it, it was great it was so much fun um and also super cheap because we, we stayed at their beautiful house 10 miles outside of downtown charlotte and didn't have to pay a thing for it and it was it was great it was yeah. awesome um i also went to i got to um sick brag got to go to portland my senior year of college to cover indiana in the ncaa tournament which was once in a lifetime type of experience to be able to go and to fly out there and cover a few games and, you know, sitting in press conferences with Rick Patino yeah. and stuff like that. And that was when Shaka Smart was really big. So Indiana was playing against VCU. So, you know, just getting to do that from a professional standpoint, very different kind of spring break was great. I've already shared my feelings about Portland and how, eh, not my cup of tea. What? Did you go to Portland for something? That's what I just got finished saying. I wasn't listening. Yeah, thank you. That's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that like those were those were great. And I've I've had like other trips where you know like you go to your buddy's uh, your buddy's college. I went to Illinois State a couple times, and you know just watching college basketball and drinking games kind of all day, that type of stuff. But that's fun. That's it's fun. It, it's great. I've never had a bad spring break. So again, yeah. I will oh, defer oh, oh, oh. to you. All right, so the three spring breaks I got to go in a row. So 2006, we went to Daytona. It was a nightmare from the beginning. Um, this was that's where we had like the car issue, so it took us nine and a half hours to get there. We got there, couldn't get anyone um, to let us in. At the time, my dad was like, "I'll I'll sponsor your spring break. Like I'll give you money." Because like I just quit baseball. I didn't have like a job to save money. Like I, I was like living off of. I paid for my school at the start of the year, and then was just like trying to get get by. Like my parents give me like like my mom would give me seventy five bucks a week for groceries and everything. That's just what I lived off of, like three hundred dollars a month. So my dad was like, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll send you like 200 bucks. And I was like, that's more than enough for spring break for me. Never did. Had $65 in the account or something like that because I was planning on this. We'd already paid for everything else. And, and then I'm just like, so I'm, I'm just eating 
like soup <laughs> and like grilled cheese all week and it was just awful like the whole trip was awful um almost got stabbed like i said couldn't couldn't go out at night couldn't do anything because i just didn't have any money and there was just like this weird it was just weird the whole thing just kind of sucked uh and then and then we also almost got arrested the first hour because my idiot friend was drinking we were drinking on the beach and we didn't know you couldn't drink on the beach like in cans mm-hmm. so and we we're all underage like i like but like i hadn't had a drink i was like you know i'm good i'm just gonna enjoy the beach you know blah blah, blah. like I, I was i was fine whoever it was put their beer like right next to my foot and the cop calls me out and I'm like, I'm not drinking some, I'm good. He's like, I want to see your idea right now. I was like, no. And then almost got in trouble for that. And it was just, he he took all of our booze that we had just bought like day one, hour one. It was awful. Um, Let's see. Uh, (laughs) 2008. I remember we went on this, we went down to uh, Grayton beach and stayed in this giant house, like 18 people. Where's Grayton beach? so it's it's near Rosemary Beach in 30A. It's it's right near um, Seaside. So we like we go down there and we had like 18 people in this house and I had to come a day late because I had to go to uh, my one of my parents' court hearings and I'll let you guess which one it was. It was not Pastor Patty Sue. I'll say that. Mm. Um, so I had to go to I, I go down to this thing like a, a day late and we're like ready to start going and we go to the Red Bar, which is like this world famous bar. They close at 10 p.m., so it was like not just the whole thing just kind of sucked. Like there wasn't like a lot going on in that area, um, and I just remember from <laughs> by the end of the week, we got into so many arguments because everyone's in the same house. And my buddy Kyle, I hope I already told him I'm putting him on blast, but uh, he <laughs> he got into this fight like drunkenly with a bunch of people in the house, and he he also like sprained his ankle, so he had to go get like to the hospital and get crutches, or like like he thought he broke it. So he like cusses everyone out in the house, or if we get, if we get into this yelling match or whatever, and he comes he comes out the next day to apologize. It's just like you know whatever, not a big deal. But he's coming out onto the beach, and it's like this long walk for the beach where we were, and he's got crutches. And I swear to God, it was like a seventeen minute walk because <laughs> he had like he was he was like crutching over, and it was so funny because it was like oh boy, here comes Kyle. I guess he's gonna apologize. But it just took forever. It just kept going and going, and he was he was super nice. Uh, and apologize, and we, you know, we obviously were both in the wrong. Um, but that was just funny. That was just funny because we had a good time. And then the uh, the last one I went to was Key West, and I say that was it was the best and worst. It was the best because it was the least amount of drama. It was the worst uh, because I accidentally got uh, blackout drunk at a place called the Red Garter Saloon. Why do you only go to bars with the name Red in it? It's a strip club. First off, um, and I told my then somewhat girlfriend who wasn't my girlfriend, but like wasn't not my girlfriend, I guess. Mm. I had done a good job of just like putting that off, but it was like like a month and a half before senior year ended. Told her I loved her. Mm, uh, yeah, and I just you remember, can't get out of that. <laughs> so I just remember my buddy uh, who's actually been mentioned on this podcast before for his exploits in Vegas. Um, he comes home. Uh, and he's like, yeah, you definitely did that, huh? And I was like, yeah, I, I, can I, is that, that was a mistake. He goes, ah, oh, don't worry about it. I told that stripper the same thing. And I was like, what? And he, he said, he said, I just remember it became the worst because he got, he said he was like fully in love with this person and he met her and he looked at me and I'll never forget like the, the we both looked at each other realizing the, the level of mistakes we'd made that night. And he goes, Chris, I told her things I haven't told my closest friends. And I was like, you know what? We can't be in Key West anymore. We got to go Yikes. home. We got to go home. So we drove home the next day. Yeah. There you go, guys. Wow. 
Marler, you have uh, you have shared a lot. <laughs> you have. And I want to also say, Kyle Price. I know, I know, I brought up some some bad storylines. Kyle Price made, and I, I think he actually ended up like giving me money on the first trip, and and like like was Kyle's one of my best friends to this day. I don't want to make him sound like he was a bad bad person to hang out with in college. He was he was great. Let's close out with a might mean too much. Enjoy, enjoy spring break responsibly, everyone. Yeah. Goodness gracious. <laughs> don't uh, say you love anybody. Yeah. Uh, so this came via Justin Ferguson of The Athletic, who covers Auburn. Um, the Auburn's the Auburn's new indoor facility has multiple Iron Bowl banners. Um, one <laughs> of them is devoted. It's just a massive banner with a picture of them um, rushing the field after the 2019 win. And then there's another that has every Iron Bowl victory ever. Now, this is 100% for recruiting, obviously. Recruits can see this and be like, oh, look, Auburn has an 11-9 advantage against Alabama in the 21st century, which is actually kind of shocking. I didn't I like, didn't really fully process that until I saw mm. that on their banner, so I guess it kind of worked. They won the first seven, <laughs> they, or they won six in a row. Um, still, um, I tend to think that my reaction to this was different than yours, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll weigh in on it after you're done. You do love Auburn, though, as you said earlier in this podcast. I don't dis. I don't dislike Auburn. I just don't. I do. I mean, well, when it comes to that game, I just, I just find it odd that in this, like in this year, like do it. Hold up the 2013 one. I don't understand why this, like the the picture of of Stivers, like like lowering his head or shoulder or whatever, and and knocking off. Uh, Xavier McKinney. Xavier McKinney's helmet. I, I'm I fully I'm overseeing that picture as a Bama fan. But dude, props to you. A hell of a run. One of the most famous. I, I'd say pictures maybe of the entire season last year. Sure, put that up for sure. Especially in the weight room. It's just odd to me that you would choose to put this one up against a Bama team that this decided who went to the Capital One Bowl and the and the Outback Bowl. True. You know what I mean? Like it's. I thought 2013 or maybe even 2017 would be better. 2010. Yeah, well, that was in Tuscaloosa. I thought they were only doing one oh, in, in Jordan Hare. Good point, good point. Yeah. yeah, I think if you put the, the Sean Shivers thing um, as a statue and found a way <laughs> to have Xavier McKinney's helmet floating just in the air. Just suspended in midair. Just suspended in midair. That would be really cool. Auburn's got the money now. They've got, they got the money with the new indoor facility. Figure Dude, it out. Figure it out. You can do those little things like where they have like the little desk, they're not lamps, but the little desk things where you're like they the, the helmet just kind of hangs in midair. Tim Cook, get on that. You can do that, that with Get the, on that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Um, all right. Make sure if you are not following us on all forms of social media, you should totally be doing so because I am not putting this lightly when I say we have a ton of college basketball content coming. It's going to be great. We've got so many of our writers that are really kind of gearing up for this. I always mention Adam Spencer. He does a great job. Neil Blackman as well. Uh, we are all kind of all hands on deck. Marler's got the great gambling insights as well. Uh, we're even doing shows and stuff with uh, with Bet Online, and we're you know we're, we have a lot of things in the work. Facebook Live, Bet Online, like a lot of stuff that is going to get you through this exciting time in the sports calendar. Exciting non-football time in the sports calendar. Yes, spring football is 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 firing up as well. We're gonna have all the news and stuff from that indeed. So. Marler, uh, Facebook Live, Monday night, 7.30 p.m. Yeah, and then we're going to have a special one this, I think we're going to either do it Wednesday or Thursday, maybe Thursday at lunchtime. We're going to just do a random Thursday lunchtime one. I uh, will definitely have one on Saturday, but um, stay tuned for that because we'll have uh, a little gambling preview going into the day itself. 
We're definitely gonna have a bracket, uh, a bracket group that we're gonna do uh, to get everybody involved uh, for the NCAA tournaments. Hopefully, we're gonna come out with that next week, much like we did the college football bowl mania stuff with ESPN. Um, hopefully, we'll get that fired up as well. TBD in terms of if we're doing a, a bracket like we did last year for the Office episodes, might have to yeah. take a year off of that potentially, unless we come up with a really good idea. I don't want to just do something that's kind of kind of weak that's been done before that's been floated out there i want to do something that really makes a lot of sense so that might maybe take a year off we'll see we're going to be doing a lot of coverage though for the sec tournament the ncaa tournaments marley um anybody that you remember from spring break what is what is the most important thing uh the um, hey, the guy who had the weed the guy with the weed in his mouth you tell you a lot of things you gonna do you want, you want to make sure you have a liver that's been seasoned and a veteran like an LSU, LSU One day you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to come and say I love you, this old stripper. It might mean too much. Enjoy the SEC tournament. Talk to you guys soon.